Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intel, forecasts, and strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Bull. Thank you for being with us. This segment is brought to you by Bull Realty. For customized asset and occupancy solutions, visit bullrealty.com or contact me directly. I'm Michael at Bull Realty. Well, today we're going to talk about retail. We're going to talk about investment sales, cap rates, trends. You know, retail is interesting. So I'm in the Southeast is where I do most of my brokerage work, uh, U.S., and it seems like our markets are doing well. Our suburban markets are doing well. We're headquartered in Atlanta. Retail seems to be performing well in our market. Obviously, we've got a very sharp increase uh, in interest rates uh, that has paused uh, some players in the marketplace, but we are, are still seeing uh, deals uh, get done. Well, let's get the big story from Jim Costello. Jim is head of real estate economics for MSCI. Jim, good to see you. Thanks for joining us. Always great to be with you. Thank you. And I love how you're traveling around the uh, around the country and around the world talking about the, the commercial real estate market. And as we key in on uh, retail, you know, some people uh, you know, thought retail was was uh, was in a demise. <laughs> it would be terrible during COVID. And then things uh, kind of bounced back. Uh, where are we today? Yeah, it's funny. You know, people sometimes set their expectations based on what's happening right at the moment. And without thinking about longer term trends and how uh, conditions might react, you go back to April 2020, when we were just about a month and a half into lockdowns and everybody was scared and worried. Uh, people were talking about retail as if there was no hope for tomorrow. Uh, we saw property income for retail as measured in our uh, in the MSCI uh, quarterly property index. We saw big double digit declines for a bit. Uh, because you know, uh, people weren't going to stores, retailers were pulling back, and people were really worried that you'd only shop online forever in the future. But the funny thing happened is once we got vaccines in arms and uh, some ends of lockdowns and the end of that suppressed demand, we all saw it, revenge spending, it came back sharply. And, and so some of the fears in 2020 were a bit overblown. Yeah, that's really interesting, Jim, to to see that, hear that perspective, because you're you're right. I mean, when we saw the lockdowns and and the, all the retailers, a lot of them shutting up and shutting down. Yeah, it did look like it, it was gone forever. We kind of do think about that, and it reminds me of the uh, housing bust. You know, in '09, like oh, housing's just terrible. It's uh, you never invest in homes, and well, ended up being a good thing. <laughs> Uh, and then you look at office today, we're kind of thinking, oh, no one needs office anywhere. Everybody can work from home, work from anywhere. Uh, and I think that's kind of what a lot of us are thinking. Well, not me, but a lot of people are thinking today. Be interesting to see what happens there. But we're talking retail today. So uh, retail performance, before we get into cap rates and, and velocity of uh, sales volume and things, the performance overall, how's it been performing? Yeah, uh, the, the sales volume is down. Yeah, for, for April of this year, we, we just finished our look to deal volume for April. And investment sales activity has retreated to $2.1 billion for April. That's down 75% from a year ago. And so you hear that headline number, oh, down 75%. Uh, uh, woe is me, end of the world kind of stuff. Uh, but that headline number, there's a couple things you got to take with it. April of last year was 
exceptionally high, 2022 looked like a screaming buy opportunity for many uh, retail property investors because you had the rebound in property income when you saw that all your worst fears from early 2020 weren't realized. What do you do? You act on the, the, the reality of the situation as opposed to the fear, and you get back to buying stuff like before. So the same way there was revenge spending by consumers, think of it like revenge spending on the part of investors. But also, just given the low interest rate environment we had in 2022, the spread between cap rates and interest rates uh, was close to 500 basis points at the time. And you know, so that gave you a lot of wiggle room given where mortgage rates were. You had some meat on the bone for those investments. You know, April of this year, cap rates have started to move up just a, a smidge. You know, it, buyers and sellers, it's, it's an old story, but buyers and sellers are still far apart in value. But what has sold, you're up to an average 6.4% cap rate for, for retail in, in the month. But you know, comparing that with the ten-year Treasury, uh, you're down to about 295 basis points of spread. So you just don't have as much wiggle room at this point as a buyer. Mortgage rates are much higher, so it's just it's just a harder thing as a buyer today to be as excited uh, as you were in early 2022. Yeah, that's interesting. I, you know, when I started this business, we went through some really high rates uh, years ago, and. You know, I remember when, you know, if we got a 12% interest rate, we were really excited. Um, but but cap rates, you know, weren't, were, were less, right? I think cap rates were probably around 10 or so. And people were making money doing deals. It's like, uh, it's like, it, it, was that real? <laughs> Am I remembering well, that right? No, but no, that you have it right. But what happens in that period, you can have periods where interest rates, even mortgage rates, are higher than cap rates. But... To get there in your underwriting, you have to be uh, putting in an assumption of above average income growth. And because if, if you think that you're going to have double digit income growth for an extended period, all that stuff makes sense. Yeah. And when, when your career started, uh, you know, when you talk about 12% interest rates, you're dating yourself there. <laughs> but, but in that period, you had strong income growth, especially for retail, because uh, you had the vast expansion into the suburban areas that still hadn't finished as we kind of spread out metro areas in the United States. So you were working in these growth markets that had all this population moving in, plus the format of regional malls and you know, neighborhood community centers. It was a big growing industry of new stuff. Right. So people were expecting a very high income growth for a time. So deals could pencil out in that kind of environment. Today, does anybody expect double-digit income growth for retail moving forward? Not as many. Uh, and, and so it's just harder to make those uh, kind of relationships work. Yeah, that makes sense. And you guys do a good job of, of tracking uh, cap rates on, on investment property sales. And when you look at the different types of, of retail, what are you seeing for more of like the single-tenant net lease uh, market? That market always seems to be more stable uh, than others in, in, in recessionary times or close to recessionary times. Yeah, it, it's it's going to move a little bit closer with uh, the bond market. I mean, it's, you know, bond tied to a depreciating asset effectively, but it's it you know, we had cap rates average 5.8% in the 12 months to April of this year. Uh, but you know, like retail in general, 
field volume was down in April for that you know, shop space, single tenant net lease stuff. It just wasn't uh, as attractive an investment opportunity compared to the past. Yeah. And then on um, these shopping centers, uh, what kind of uh, cap rates you're seeing there? And so there the average was 7.1% for the month. Uh, that's, that's up a bit. It hit a low uh, in October of 2022 of around 6.9%. So it's up a little bit, but you know, these numbers, you know, it's a bit of a trailing average. So that means that there's been a more recent acceleration in the figures. Mm -hmm. So what do you expect moving forward, Jim? As you mentioned, we, we're human, so we kind of look at what's going on today to judge the, the, the future. But uh, what do you expect with a, a, a kind of a longer uh, view uh, historically? What do you expect for retail? You know, the, the, the thing I, that I've been focused on for retail is where is income going to go? You do have that rebound uh, that was underway. It seems like it's played out to some degree. You don't have that double digit growth anymore. But it has leveled off to some stability in income. That's a healthy thing yeah. uh, if, if you own an asset. I'm worried about a one-two punch here for the retail property sector. Right now, we're seeing declining deal volume as people come to grips with this higher interest rate environment, higher cost of financing. Cap rates are slowly adjusting to uh, levels that are more realistic there. The big question is what happens if it bleeds over to the real side, meaning jobs, how much people spend, uh, you know, uh, consumption. If this financial shock we're dealing with, uh, with higher costs of capital, leads firms to invest less, leads firms to hire less, uh, that could lead to a recession. And that could uh, impact the income story for properties. So it's so I'm watching that side carefully because I, I, I'd be worried that uh, if it's just a financial shock and we get through it and we have uh, some stable income growth continuing and we don't get too much of a, a shock to the job market, the soft landing people talk about. If you get that, yeah, then it's a one-time adjustment to prices just uh, from cap rates eventually moving up to a point where buyers and sellers match expectations. But what I worry about is that you get the first punch of the financial side of the economy, and then and then you come in with the hook on, uh, on uh, the real side falling apart. Yeah, that's interesting to think about. And you know, and you talked about revenge spending and, and the demand that folks had had after COVID to kind of get out and, and do things. And I assume you know, that's been beneficial to retail. Does, does that uh, does that start to wane a little bit? Do people kind of go, all right, I've gotten out now. I can quit spending so much. Well, it, it certainly shows up in the income data. You know, you had a big drop in income from the COVID period. Then you had that big shock up from, from the revenge spending. And now it's kind of flattened. Yeah. Are there any uh, markets around the country that uh, are, are doing uh, better than others? You know, the, the market situation is one that's going to be pretty similar because this is not an issue of fundamentals and income that's driving the decline of value and uh, in, in prices and driving 
the decline in deal activity. It's all a financial issue. And that that applies uh, to every uh, city and location in a similar manner. It might there might be a little bit of a, an impact uh, from the recent slowdown in the the regional and local banks. Uh, they tend to do more financing. They tend to dominate the financing in smaller markets and smaller properties. So if I'm if I'm in a small city in Utah, uh, I'm dealing with uh, a smaller bank there. It's not the big money center banks coming in doing loans. It just doesn't meet their their size thresholds that they work through. But those regional local banks are, the, are where there's been so much scrutiny in recent months, and uh, so that's the those areas people are probably uh, you know sharpening their pencils a bit trying to figure out you know, how's financing going to look like. Yeah, now we're seeing some distress. Uh deals in the uh, regular office market are, are you seeing any stress yet to speak of in uh, retail well retail is a funny one uh, even before covid retail had uh, sort of a slow steady pace of distressed asset sales because you know that that boom period in the 70s and 80s when interest rates were at 12 percent and people could still invest in retail <laughs> we overbuilt uh, there's there's a legacy of uh, a, a lot of 70s and 80s product that is kind of slowly filtering out of the system. And, and so there was a lot of distress like that that was already out there. What what I think people really want is is good distress. Uh, otherwise, <laughs> uh, functional cash flowing assets that simply have a uh, financial challenge of debt that was too high that they can restructure that and and then uh, uh, buy something that's cash flowing, and there just hasn't been as much of that yet. Uh, we we saw around 2.2 billion in uh, distressed asset sales for retail in uh, in the first quarter. Uh, it was up a little bit from the first quarter of 2022, but it's still kind of a you know, slow, steady drip of uh, distressed uh, retail property sales because of that legacy of the, uh, you know, the overbuilding in the seventies and eighties. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I think is really interesting about, uh, retail, uh, is that's usually, um, good real estate, right. Uh, for redevelopment or adaptive, uh, reuse and it makes it kind of an interesting product type. Well, it's, that's the thing with some of these properties they are just well located. The challenge is, that the distress that comes out of that is a different kind of distress than than the financial crisis. That, that's the thing that happens. People look at uh, the last war and they want to they want to fight the last war. They want to look at the last bad event and just repeat the playbook that led to success before. And so they look at the financial crisis and they, and they realize that people are able to buy these cash flowing assets on the cheap and just refinance them and ride the wave of value recovery. And that doesn't work for these kind of distressed assets and for this uh, uh, repositioning type play. It's not a bunch of suits from New York jetting into town for the day, uh, talking with some lenders, looking at the property, doing a drive-by appraisal and flying out. Mm -hmm. uh, you need somebody who understands what local zoning and development authorities will be willing to do 
you want to move the property to be the highest and best use for the local economy, but there's always regulatory barriers there. Well, Jim, I want to ask you about uh, some opportunities in the retail market. But before we go there, you mentioned New York, uh, the city. How, how's it going? What's it like there now? A lot of these office buildings are still kind of more than half empty. Yeah, that's that's where I'm at today. Although I am in my office at Southern World Trade Center today. Uh, looking out this way, I see Midtown Manhattan. It's a glorious sunny day. Uh, it, it's it's been interesting. You know, the weekends here. If you go to Soho, you know, a nice shopping area, it's almost dangerously crowded. Too many people on the sidewalks and cars zipping by too fast. Uh, somebody will get hurt like that. Uh, so there's times there's incredible demand here. And then and then you have stories of retail facing challenges with uh, shoplifting and some social chaos that the, the mayor is really trying to work on. So you know you've got you've got two things happening at the same time. Uh, offices, you have stories of of uh, buildings that are empty, but then you have stories of uh, brand new high end buildings achieving close to three hundred dollars a square foot. <laughs> so there's there's a bifurcation in the city on on performance you know, that that's you know both retail and offices right and i think it points to uh, a story of you know a little bit of obsolescence for certain properties in certain locations there's still need that people have to get together uh to do shopping and go into experiential uh activities so both for office and retail there's still some sort of fundamental demand but how much of it is the same as before the pandemic is really where people are trying to uh, figure out what what works and what doesn't and the the challenges in those situations are are the older assets that need a little bit more capex because it's gonna be more expensive to finance that capex in this environment of higher interest rates yeah yeah good point well jim to end the show here where, where are some opportunities in uh, retail real estate today yeah, really, the, the key thing I, I look to there is just where are you going to see the strongest local income growth? Uh, uh, mitigate that with uh, uh, any concerns about additional supply coming in. And you know, the, the, that combination is, is sort of the, the key thing I'd be looking for. The, the financial challenges are going to hit everybody equally. You know, the, uh, maybe a little bit different in some smaller markets who are more dependent on bank lending. But nonetheless, you know, the interest rate environment and higher cap rates, it's going to impact, uh, they have almost a universal impact on, on the real side, on the financial side of the economy and, and the valuation of assets. So you got to look for a growth opportunity and, and that's going to come out of income. Yeah. So just look for, look for cities that have some strong job growth. Yeah. Would you classify New York as certainly as a, has a high barrier of uh, entry? Would you, is that uh, income growth, population growth? Well, uh, it's funny, you know, the, the, there is this thought that, you know, these expensive urban markets that have uh, uh, more sclerotic regulatory uh, uh, agencies around construction that there's supply constraints so you can invest there, but you can still build stuff. It just takes more time. Uh, so if, if, you're, if you're buying something thinking it's supply constrained, uh, 
uh, give it a little bit of time and someone might be able to figure out how to, how to steal your cheese. <laughs> Where there's demand, there will eventually be supply. Jim, thank you for joining us, sir. Uh, thanks for having me. All right. And thank you for joining us around the country. Uh, and uh, please let us know what you think. Please connect. Please subscribe. Please uh, share the show. And uh, thank you for joining us. Until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh. And join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Appreciate the show? Consider referring business or doing business with our sponsors. Bull Realty is a commercial real estate sales, leasing, and advisory firm doing business throughout the Southeast, headquartered in Atlanta. Visit bullrealty.com for more information. Commercial Agent Success Strategies provides video training for commercial agents. This training gets five-star reviews from even the most experienced brokers. Learn more at commercialagentsuccess.com. You're invited to connect with us on your favorite social media. You can find us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. Don't miss a show of special interest to you. Be sure and subscribe to the show on YouTube and Apple Podcasts. And at the show website, CREshow.com, you can subscribe for a weekly email announcing the show topic and guest. While you're there, you also found more videos and podcasts. Thank you for watching or listening to America's Commercial Real Estate Show.